You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Capitals game was actually a pretty entertaining game, regardless of the outcome. But it's it's so cool now that even when you're losing games, you don't give a fuck because they're in every game. They play good hockey pretty much every game. And they sandwich losses with streaks of wins. And this team just looks so fucking good right now. And they're taking off top opponents week after week. I did a little uh, backtracking here. In the, last, in the past two months, the Flames have beat the Florida Panthers 5-1, the St. Louis Blues 7-1, the Vegas Golden Knights 6-0, the Toronto Maple Leafs 5-2, the Minnesota Wild 7-3 and 5-1, The Colorado Avalanche, 4-3, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, 4-1. What do all those teams have in common? They are really good teams. They're all, like, top eight in the the league, and we've made swift work out of all of them. Well, like, two things on that. Number one, I can't – I was trying to think of a game this year. In the Like, can you think of a game this year where they have played badly? Like, everyone – you'll point to the – to the the crushing by the Canucks the other last week. But even then that wasn't like a terrible game. That was just a really weird shitty game. Like we're we're in like ones and twos in terms of games this season where it's been like man, they did not show up tonight. They sucked tonight. I don't even know if they're well yeah, you're right. Though there was the Montreal game at the start of the year. That's the one I was thinking of. And then the Ottawa game a little little further after that, but outside of that no. And then this, secondarily, this... the thing that I've been the most impressed with, and I think we'll talk about Johnny Gaudreau specifically in a bit, is like, hey, the best players on the Flames are vastly outplaying the best players on these other teams that are so good. Well, I mean, this this little mantra that started with the top line, how, I mean, we've been saying it for, what, eight weeks now. This is the best line in the league. And a lot of a lot of analysts, a lot of sports people concur. Like this is, I was just listening on the way back on the road trip because you got fucking six hour drive over here. But I was listening to in a bit of the 32 pot 
thoughts podcast. And um, Jeff Merrick is convinced this is the, the best line in hockey. There's a lot of people, man, that are realizing, holy shit. Like in the past two weeks, what I've really come to realize is Elias Lindholm is he's got to be his top 20 player in the league, hands down. I think currently he's even a top 10 goal scorer in the league. And when you combine those two things with the two-way play, I mean, we're, you and I just listened to Daryl's interview talking about, you know, players managing their minutes, personnel minutes. And he was talking about Lynn Holm. He plays all three. He plays five on five and both special teams. This guy does everything and he is scoring goals and scoring clutch goals on a nightly basis right now. And the same can be said for Johnny Goudreau. And Matthew Kachuk is just having a very solid, very consistently solid season. And we're probably going to see a few spurts from him next. I mean, I'm sitting there watching the last game. like, you know what? Slyne's been firing. But uh, Kachuk, it's only been like a couple games since he scored. He's due. It's like you weigh it two games and it's like, why is Kachuk scoring? It's like this line is ridiculously good. Well, yeah, Kachuk is what? Well, he's third on the team because everybody's scoring, but he's got 27 goals. <laughs> he's got more goals than Johnny Gaudreau this year. So. Kachuk, that must be the most quiet 27 goals across the league this season. You know, oh, totally. And he's second on the team in points, right? Like 66 points in 57 games. Kachuk is having the most quiet 27-goal, 66-point season across the league i think chuck has had yeah i think he's no having one of the most quiet seasons in general based on how fucking good he's been i know i bring this up a lot is like how good he is on that line specifically and like how he does a lot of the play driving and i think that's true because i think something we want to talk about today is kind of some comparisons with the 2018 2019 season um because it's kind of been brought up a little bit um with daryl but i think one of the main things that has been that has been addressed is you look at how the top line functions now where before it was Monahan Lindholm Goudreau and like yeah that's a high octane line those guys can score goals and did score a lot of goals that year but you you add in what Matthew Kachuk brings to that line which is just a pretty much an absolute dominant play driver and a dominant checking forward to those guys who already have chemistry and already can uh, score goals at a higher rate. And now you've got, like like you said, best line in the league. Like, so good. Lindholm has, what, 15 goals in 16 games? 15 and 15? He didn't score last night, did he? So, 15 goals in 16 games. Like, that's insane. Well, and the biggest difference is now Johnny's, Johnny almost has 30 goals. He's going to hit 30 goals. I mean, the biggest difference there is, is like, when it was just Lindholm and Monaghan, Johnny's the main play driver at the, at the, I think, you know, for the first while it was just him feeding both Monaghan and Lindholm and taking turns yeah. doing it. Lindholm started to, to play drive and, and make plays as well, but you have Kachuk on that line now. I mean, a big reason why Johnny Gaudreau's Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Gagol is going to score 30 plus is Matthew Kachuk. 
Is it not? Like that adding Matthew Kachuk to that line just adds everything. It is that line is so dangerous. I mean, the last five games, the one thing I have noticed is that they've been spending a lot of t- more, a lot more time in their own zone. I think part and parcel is teams are starting to realize now that they have to have the best matchup against that line and they'll probably adjust too. It's not like they're getting scored on, but they have been spending quite a bit more time in their own end. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And I mean, that kind of comes, I think with playing two teams, specifically Washington and Tampa who um, play a really high four check um, style and can score off the rush and can are probably two of the teams that can, you know, oppose the flames offensive skill right now. Well, and throw Colorado in there, too. Yeah. Colorado as well. We, okay, let's, let's... But I mean, start. but I mean, Lindholm, we'll get into the games, but I mean, Lindholm deserves the Selkie for that OT Fuck. play. All Fuck. that, if you just gave the Selkie award for like one play, just give him the award for how he strips Ranton of the puck and then threads a perfect bank pass to Johnny Yadro for the game winning goal. That was sweet. God, dude, that's unbelievable. Okay, let's and, go. To yeah. Me. Well, go ahead. We'll finish your thought and we'll, we'll go to Colorado. Well, I just think Lindholm is turning into like, I don't know. I, I'm, I've been guilty of like, oh, I don't think he's ever going to be. And I still think he's not at that level that some Flamestands think he is, where he's like, okay, he's Bergeron, right? I mean, this year in terms of like, okay, who would get votes for the Selkie? Like, he's got to be right there. I think people undervalue what Kachuk and Manchapani do defensively at five on five. But if you look at what Lindholm's doing on the penalty kill, and at five on five and on the power play. And he's going to score 40 goals this year. Probably. It's hard to not make an argument for a guy like that to be like in the top five in terms of Selkie consideration this year. It's so, it's so interesting because I mean, you, you're naming these names and then you're like, Oh yeah. And we have Manji Pony. Don't forget. Right? And we have Tyler Toffoli. I, I seeing this guy in person. I'm Holy like, shit, dude! I had no clue he was this good because I, I wasn't watching him on a nightly basis. He does everything. He's even killing penalties as well. But he, I mean, when you have Goudreau with Lindholm, it's a different it's a different scenario. But I think Toffoli might be the most dangerous scorer on the team. Well, those goals he scored against the Oilers. Like holy shit! Like where he put that second goal, oh. man, oh man! And what does he have? Like seven goals in eleven games. Yeah. Well, one thing we're going to talk about today is the line juggling because it has changed. And I think, I mean, we just every time you listen to you listen to this coach, and yeah, it is night and day with what we've the coaching we've had in the past however long, but he is in a league of his own, man. With the way he understands the game, the way that he manages his roster based on his understanding of the game. And there's so many layers and there's so many intricacies and there's so many different timelines that he's like weaving together. Like, like we've been talking about everything we, he does is to prepare this team for the playoffs and it's not even that. He's he's gone out and said it from day one. It's not even just preparing this team for the playoffs. It's winning a fucking Stanley Cup. Every little minute decision he does throughout the season 
you know, as we've read into that goal. And one thing I wanted to, to touch on, because this is interesting, if you're looking at the line juggling that we've seen in the last three games, and well, there's, there's been a few changes, but the fourth line, with the way Dubé has been, you know, the inconsistency we've seen in his game, this is the best fourth line you could create on this roster currently. Not saying that I, I like spending over $12 million on a fourth line, but with the current roster, Lucic absolutely should be on the fourth line. Sean Monaghan absolutely doesn't belong anywhere else in the lineup. That's that's what I'm getting at, and, and Dubé as well. But just the whole line change when he brought in Richie and Richardson into the lineup and, and Rizicka and Dubé sat out. That was all calculated. That wasn't Daryl Sutter being like, "Oh, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna see if these guys are better." Here he knows. He he had a purpose behind because he only pulled him up for what two games yeah. or was it three, two or three games, and now they're back in the lineup, and they've been, and now Rizicka is the third line center. It's just like there was no Jeff Ward. You're in. You're out. You're up. You're down. Everything's random. Nothing makes sense. This was like clearly calculated from the beginning is that he knew with a purpose what he was doing, taking these guys out of the lineup, knowing that they were going to come back in. And there was a purpose behind it. But fuck, just even listening to this guy is ridiculous. Um, but what do you think about the new third line? Well, I love it. I loved the Dubé, Rizicka, Manjapani line. Personally, um, I think do or Manjupani Rizicka and Toffoli would is an interesting trio as well. Um, yes, like holy shit, but dude, that just makes your team like so much deeper and it gives you so many different different looks because right now, how they're deploying, how you could deploy them is I mean, the Gaudreau line can do whatever, but they're usually getting some ozone starts. The Backland line, Backland Coleman are getting all the D zone starts. But then if you have Manjapani on a line like that, like that's a line that can go toe to toe with any line in the league. Yep. Like it's just creates, Oh man, it's, it's so much deeper with Toffoli on this team. And I think that's the key of it is like, okay, now Toffoli can play with backlink or Toffoli can play on the third line. Just so good. But I actually really dug the, the Manj Rizicka Dubé line because I know Dubé is having an up and down season. But he has been stuck with some, uh, you know, Lucic a lot, Monahan a lot. I think if you want to see him, you know, start seeing some results and breaking out of his little funk, because that's a weird thing. He's having a weird year where it's like he's been getting some chances. He had a breakaway the other night, couldn't fucking score. Um, but he's really had a hard time putting the puck in the net, and he's really had a hard time uh, when he's stuck in his own zone. So I think putting him with a guy like Manjapani, who's really good at that. And I mean, Rizicka has been no slouch either. So I don't know. I like, I like to look at that line. That's a fast, like that's probably the fastest line on the team. Whew, I like it. And I've always liked Dubé and Monge as a pairing. Yeah. And they haven't really been able to play much together because Dubé hasn't been as good and high up in the lineup. So regardless, I love the Rizicka in three, in the three spot too. So like, yeah, that makes so much sense. It makes so much more sense. Because like you said, like 
there's who, who is the fourth best center on this team right now? It's not Rosicka. No, it's not. And I, I know everybody was having. You mean a bit who's of, the worst center on this team? Exactly. And I know everybody had a bit of a fit about Lewis being on the back of the line, but I don't know. That makes sense to me. Well, it does. I mean, and that's that was the next thing I was going to ask you was sure you like the the Dubé line, the Dubé on the third line with Rosicka and Monge. But then that means Toffoli plays with Backlund and Coleman, which is kind of a, I don't know if it's the, if it's the best fit. I mean, we didn't see a lot of it, but that line is, and we, we know Backlund has eight goals, right? Coleman has, what does Coleman have? I think he's up to like 12 or something. I mean, that, that line is not going to generate a lot of offense, unless Manjupani is on there, but even still, like, so it, it comes down to roles. And I think Daryl is, it's, it's really remarkable really watching how, what, how Daryl evolves this team forward through a successful season. And because the Foley's up there, but now when you, when you, when you put Lewis on that second line, they can still, yeah. Do what that purpose is, is grind away guy, grind away lines, grind away the other top opposition, be really good defensively, chip in here and there, because that's what they were doing before, except for Manjipani would score every game. Um, but the other two guys weren't, you know, generating a lot of offense. But then that that creates so much more opportunity now with your third line. It maybe it creates more depth. This is where it actually does stretch depth out through the lineup. You know, not like we've, unlike how we've seen in the past where coaches just say that. Oh, Richie in the top six because, oh, then we can put de- depth, depth, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I know you like Dubé on that third line, but now that if Lewis goes up and you can bring yeah, Toffoli down, that's even better. I mean, obviously, a line of Toffoli, Mangiopani, yeah, dude. and Rizicic is better, right? And and Rizicic and Toffoli seem to have some instant chemistry there in Edmonton. Um, and then you have Dubé now on the fourth line, which is more scoring depth throughout all four lines. So we'll see how it continues to evolve. Well, and, and we'll I, think the, I think we'll the – I think Go ahead. Yeah, not the rotating door, but, like, the, the, the adjustments are necessary. Like, you see him do this against different yeah. teams, right? Like, against a team that's big and strong, like – and and has a strong forecheck. Lewis is playing with Backlund and Coleman. Um, when you're playing maybe a different type of team, like, uh, you know, the Oilers or somebody who's not as big and strong, it's switched. So it's, de- it's deployment. And it's something Daryl talks about all the time is guys have to know their role. It's like you said, when Lewis is up on that line, that makes sense. Cause he knows his role. He knows his role is to be a great defensive player. And when he's up there, he can do that with two other great defensive players. So it, it, it just makes sense when a guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. And it, and it has only been a small sample size, but you're right. Lewis hasn't ventured at all from his game, even though he's in a new role. Whereas if you look at Lucic, you can't, you can't say the same thing. Like he had success when he was just simplifying his game on the fourth line. And then as soon as he was put higher up in the lineup, it's like he mentally you know, couldn't continue just to do what he was giving him success. I guess he's playing hard matchups too, but, but I mean, yeah, I agree. 
the the brilliance behind Daryl Sutter and what he's doing in it, you know, yeah, maybe it's not a linear evolution, right? Like you said, depending on the opposition and the matchup, it's going to be a fluid lineup and there's different uh, deployment options for Daryl Sutter based on what kind of line matches he wants on any given night or any given playoff series. Playoff series, baby. Like this guy, you watch Marvel. Like he, what is he? Dr. Strange. Like he's, he can, he can weave all these different timelines and different. It's, un, it's unbelievable. Well, he's, he's like, he's just a, a student of the game and a brilliant hockey mind. And it's just cracks me up that when he was hired, that so many people were like, "Whoa, what a dinosaur!" He's so old school. Yeah, all these like, uh, journalists. Give me a break, dude. All these journalists who, you know, how many of them have ever fucking even played hockey at any sort of competitive level? You tell me, Eric Francis played competitive hockey. <laughs> Come on, man. Like he just has so much insight. I mean, he was talking. Was it today? Yeah, it must have been today about how just a few things have evolved, specifically with penalty killing or power plays. And how, you know, like a really good power play used to be one, one out of five, 20%. Yep. It's like, that's majorly evolved in the past five years. It's like, now you're looking at 20, like even a 5% bump. And uh, no, I think uh, Eric Francis, uh, she knows. You're a way better team. About players in hockey. Um, and I think that is like the core of what, um, why this team not the core of it, because I think they do have a solid actual defensive and structured uh, foundation when they're playing five on five. But I mean, when you look at how they played in the 2018, 2019 season, um, they were still a really good five on five team that year. That's why a lot of us have looked at that team. and was like, that wasn't a fluke. Like that was, they were good that year, right? They were, they were doing good things at five on five, but the thing that has really like taken them to the next level outside of the the system they're playing in the structured way they're playing every single night has been the special teams penalty kills fucking unbelievable it's so ridiculous like I mean, how good is that penalty kill well did did edmonton have a uh, a power play goal dude did they even have a power play chance no i mean we were and even last night you have tampa like what do they have they gotta have a top five power play they're so deadly and we're getting we're out chancing them on a <laughs> On four minutes straight. The Flames had more time. chances shorthanded, high danger chances shorthanded. Fuck that Toffoli breakaway was almost unbelievable. But the I think the Flames had more high danger chances on the penalty kill than the Oilers did on the power play that. Yeah. And again, like if you've ever watched the Oilers, their power play is their is the only thing they can do, and it's terrifying as shit. And they just locked it down. Well, and how about even last last night against Tampa? Same yeah, thing. Exactly. And I mean, Daryl is pretty remarkable, man. When when the media asks him why, if you listen to his explanation, it's just like he's a fucking genius. Like, oh, right, can, can you paraphrase what he said? Like, man, I, I think the first thing he said was personnel change, right? So you you have Blake, Blake. I'm calling him like I'm Daryl. Fuck, I'm starting to talk like Daryl. Um, you know who Blake is? Cool. <laughs> you have Coleman brought into lineup you have trevor lewis he loves trevor lewis well i love trevor lewis you have gabranson so he yeah, said, who, is there anybody on this team you don't love other than Sean right Monet? no and i even kind of feel bad like when stamkos was roughing him off last night i was like poor sean i i don't hate sean monahan i feel bad for sean monahan 
Although we kind of had a hate on him. Yeah, I mean, look, you hadn't seen him live in a while. <laughs> we were watching that Oilers game, and whew. but personnel. And then I think the other thing he said, which he keeps saying, which like he said this right after he took over, is like it's not defending. Like you people are obsessed with defense. It's not defense. When you're when you're killing a penalty, you're not sitting there defending. You're checking. You want to get the puck back. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's you want to clear it. That's the best thing I've seen in terms of what the Flames penalty kill does is if there's a shot, there's no secondary follow-up. If there's a shot attempt or anything happens, the Flames are the ones recovering the puck. Like if somebody's going to take a point shot, Tanev is going to block it and the forwards are going to get it out. Like there's very rare where a team takes a shot and it doesn't go in and the Flames don't recover the puck and get it out. That's been the most impressive aspect of the penalty kill to me. Yeah, and we might as well do the other spectrum of the special teams. Like, thank God for Tyler Toffoli because thank not only Lord. not only does he, like we already discussed, add so much more dimension and depth to your five on five matchups in your lineup as a whole, but he has. Sp- I would say single-handedly because no one else seems to be able to do anything about it. Single-handedly fixed probably the biggest weakness on this team, which has been the, been the power play has been okay, but not good enough. I mean, it's, it's slipped. It's, it's fallen as the season's worn on and man, does it look fucking deadly right now with him. And regardless of everybody's trying to feed Johnny, cause he's the, he's the true quarterback but I'm going to push back. I think Defoli is the current quarterback of that power play, regardless of even though he's more of a trigger guy when he gets it. And I think this is across the league. If you look at really good power plays, dry sales like this, McDavid's like this, what's been a big problem for the flames is not, not so much personnel, but setup. But when a player gets it, like when Defoli gets the puck, he has his body angled and positioned to be a threat to shoot instantly, automatically. However, he's also a threat to dish it off and pass it. So he's two-dimensional in that, in that aspect. And you look at, you know, the best power plays. When we, whenever we watch, whenever we watch Edmonton on the power play, which I don't like doing anymore because they score every fucking time. But it's the same thing. As soon as dry side gets it down there on the low, you know, right off the side of the post, He's an instant threat to shoot. He's also a threat to pass. Same with McDavid. You go across the board, Marchand, Pasternak, whatever. Stamkos, same thing. Our power play up until now hasn't been like that, right? When Johnny was getting it as the quarterback on the half boards, he wasn't an instant threat threat to shoot well this was a big thing last year he was shooting a lot like remember those little half clapper softies from the like eh? like that's not like what is that that's not where he's he doesn't have he's not gonna blow past guys like that's that's not where his his money spot is right he's a shoot and he's a pass first mentality he's an instant threat to pass a dish but now when tyler defoli gets it on the half words there like if you watch it the reason why he becomes a quarterback for me is He's he's a threat to shoot and score, not even just shoot. Yeah, that's what I was going to say next. Is like, okay, yeah, maybe Lindholm's a threat to shoot. Sure, Johnny was a threat to shoot if he gets the green line to shoot, but he's not going to score. Yeah, and if Toffoli doesn't, doesn't, he can make. He's a very skilled passer as well. 
So once it the puck gets around to him on the power play, just watch how all the lanes and all the options start to open up because now teams have to collapse on him in a way where because they have to block the shooting lane. If they don't, he's going to fucking snipe it on you. And once that collapses, now he can open it up. He's been um, a fucking, I guess, he's not a miracle. I mean, you know, it's regular season. He's been exactly what this team needs. Unbelievable addition. I can't, like, I can't even get over it. Yeah, it's the best trade Brad Schilling's ever made, and it's not even close. Yeah, not even close. <laughs> now, question for you. Just Johnny Top Guy now? Oh, uh, maybe, you know, maybe this year. I don't know. The audacity. The audacity. This fan base is, has known about Eric Francis for, what, at least four years now. This guy has some weird, twisted obsession with running Johnny Goudreau out of town. And now he's having a season that's fucking heart trophy candidate worthy. And he knows that he's been wrong or he's wrong currently. So then he asked Daryl, is Johnny a top guy? Is he a top guy? No. <laughs> oh my Lord. Who the fucking clown? Well, the best part of Daryl's response was something that we've been railing on the media for and ever since Daryl was hired was Johnny Gaudreau is in for it. Holy fuck, Daryl Sutter's going to whip him with a farm. I don't know what do they have on one of those horse whips or whatever it is. Like, he's, oh, he's done. He's done. He's going to run him out of town. And it's like, Daryl's like, yeah, I, I've never said Johnny wasn't a top player. That's you guys saying, oh, Daryl Sutter doesn't like Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, it'll never work. This is a match that will ne- matchup never going to work. Wasn't it? Remember, there was an article Francis wrote about how it's now Backlund's the guy. Backlund and Kachuk are the guys now. Johnny drove second fiddle. Oh, yeah. Backlund, eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Mr. Eagles. There was so many low-hanging fruit articles written about how Johnny Gaudreau is not a Sutter guy. How this is like, why? This is a confusing hire. Johnny Gaudreau. It's just like, <laughs> he's only been the best, one of the best players in the league since Daryl was hired. And I mean, for us, like the biggest expectation when, when Daryl was hired was like, he's going to get every, everything out of everybody. Yeah, that's right. And that's what we're seeing. I mean, look, Johnny Gaudreau has, he's, he's looked this good before, but never for an entire season on a nightly basis on every, on every little shift. Like, and, and I mean, it, it helps playing with the two best line mates he's ever had in his life. That helps, but he is like, we can, I honestly, we can have the conversation currently in this season. If you just take this season, like is, is Connor McDavid that much more valuable than Johnny Gaudreau currently this year? I think, I think this year is much more close than the 2018, 2019 season was. If you look at, I mean, you can look at all kinds of stats. We're like he leads the what is he lead the lead in five on five points? Johnny Gaudreau leads the league in five on five points. Leads the league in primary assists. 
I think at five on five, might even be both. Oh, he's a power play guy. He doesn't score five on five. <laughs> if you look he's... at so, oh yeah, he's a power play specialist, right? Oh yeah, that's all he is. So he's first in primary points overall, not even just primary assists. Like primary points, he's first in the league. First. If you look at some more advanced metrics, like goals above replacement, currently he's second behind only Austin Matthews. The top five are Austin Matthews, Johnny Joe, Miko Ranton, Nazem Kadri, and Michael Bunting for some reason. Lindholm six, but McDavid seven. So like by every metric, by every account, Johnny Gaudreau absolutely has been more valuable to the Flames this year than Connor McDavid as the others. Dare I say? There's an absolute conversation that could be had about that. No, I don't really care. It's not a pissing match. Yeah, I could care less. At the end of the day, it's about wins, right? It's about W's. But what he is doing, just for measurement purposes, is just like guaranteed he's a top 10 player in the NHL this season. And on any given night, you might prefer him over anybody else. And that's sure you're probably going to take Austin Matthews every every night, but on on specific nights, good Johnny Gaudreau can give you more than other players. And like I said, playing with the caliber of line mates he has now within a system that Daryl has 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 set and the foundation that Daryl has built for this team. Yeah, dude, I'm watching every game, and I'm just like. I can't believe how good this team is. Like on a nightly basis, I'm like, I can't believe how good we are. Well, like you said, have they had a bad game since like the Ottawa or the Montreal game? Like a bad night. Whether win the- or lose, no matter what the score is, they're always playing the same. We're playing these fucking top echelon teams. You see them coming up in the schedule like, oh, fuck, we got to play Colorado. Beat them. Oh, fuck, we got to play Tampa. Beat them. Oh, fuck, we got to play Florida. Like, well, and here's what the crux of it is. And this is we railed on Jeff Ward for his bullshit rely on the system thing last year, right? Because it's like, what system, idiot? Yeah, Wait, what system? Oh, we've, been no- the, we've been using the same process for a year and a half. Oh, you have? You've sucked for a year and a half. What do you mean? But you, I think you saw this in a game like the game against the Oilers where um, it was kind of evident they were a little tired. It, was, it wasn't like the game last night or the Washington game where those were like, those were fast up and down games. The Oilers game was a lot more cautious, um, but you see them winning games like that. It's like, those are the nights they're relying on their structure at five on five. When it's like, okay, maybe we don't have it tonight. The big guys aren't going super hard tonight, but the flames are still controlling the play and the flames are still playing really well. And the flames are still really playing well in the parameters of their, of their game of forechecking and having the puck and spending time in the offensive zone. Like that's what you're seeing night after night, after night, after night, after night. And it's like nights like last night, maybe Johnny's playing really good. He goes off. You have like that electric second period was the second one. They scored those two goals. Yeah. Second period yep. with the backing goal last like two minutes. The you have the spurts like yeah. that. Whereas opposed to like 18, 19, where it was like, you're relying on the spurts more than you're relying on the system. So then yeah. come playoff time when the spurts are stopped because yeah. playoff hockey is really tough, then you're fucked. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So I think, that's, I think that's what yeah. that's what Daryl's saying when he said he, he had this foundation. Exactly. And he says you get spanked seven nothing, whatever. You don't you don't. There's no chicken little. You just go back to the foundation the next game. That's right. You know, so like worry about yeah. 
I've been impressed with the games like the 3-1 win against the Oilers the other night or the game against Seattle a few weeks ago that was really boring. Like kind of like those boring games that are just kind of like uh, get your lunch bucket, go to work, fucking meat and potato stuff. Like those are the games that I'm walking away going, that was a really good game. Yeah, instead of finding a way to lose. You find instead a way of to like, lose. yeah, instead of those, like, I know those games were really exciting when they used to come back, right? It's like 4-1 against Colorado, and they fucking storm back in the third period, and it's like, that was awesome. But that doesn't help help you win in the playoffs very often. You know what I'm starting to get a sense of for this team is, like, it seems to me, and I don't know if this is, this is direct coaching from Daryl or if it's just, like, kind of osmosis just based on having that foundation – but this team seems to really be getting a sense of control within games. 100%. And, and what I mean by that is just like, when was the last time a game got away from them? And how often does it happen? Sure, it does happen within a span of 20 games. There's one or two. But like, it's not very often. On any given night, this team seems to be in control of each game or if the other team goes and the other team could be up by one goal, but they know how to, how to be, how to get control back. Right. And it just seems like you're seeing all these quick responses if they go down. Yeah. Oh, totally. Or if a game ties it up and there just seems to be an inherent, just kind of understanding of like when they need to push a little more, when they need to press a little more or when they need to coast a little more on the opposite end. It's just like there, they seem to be driving the games and and this is against the top top teams i mean the colorado one is like what a game that was too so that was the best game i've watched hockey wise in a long time well i think even if you're not a calgary flames or a colorado fan exactly that's that's one of the games of the year like that was fucking epic that was two two heavyweights Back and forth, amazing hockey, amazing goals, and then an amazing finish, right? Even on the 32 podcast, uh, Elliot's like, that was the best game I've seen all year. Yeah, and with the closest game, too. Like, that was, like, one of the most even games, right? Like, I thought the Flames were just as good as the Avalanche, and the Avalanche were just as good as the Flames. Like, that was – and it wasn't even just necessarily back and forth. It was just, like, that was an excellent game played by two really good teams. You have game stats for that game? Yeah, but I think the funniest thing, well, maybe the saddest thing, for context of how bad Sean Monaghan has declined in the last X number of years, the last time the Flames were in Colorado before that was the game where Dubé toe drags McKinnon and Sean Monaghan beats the entire Avalanche three-on-three team and roofs it in overtime for the game winner. That's when he. That's when he was still known as Mister Overtime. What's, Can you what's even imagine, yeah. <laughs> Mister Fourth, Mister Mister No Overtime? Cool. Like, dude, maybe we should talk about it right now, just while we're talking about it. But like, I don't like. He's. It's not even that he can't score right now. It's like no. the fl- the flubbed play in the Avalanche game that like Johnny passes it to him like right in the slot. You know, how fucking mad I was. Like I was. Yeah, you were pissed. <laughs> I was. I had. I had lost all hope for like 20 minutes. Like it really affected me deeply when, when he fucked it up and McKinnon came down to tie the game up. It's just like, like you watch, is he yeah. such a liability that he's going to fucking hurt this team down the stretch? I don't know. 
but I had a really hard time with that one. That was that. <laughs> like, how can you explain that? Like, he can't even catch a pass anymore. Well, and it's just like, dude, just try one thing. Like, simplify your approach. Don't try to like. It seems like. I mean, we use just use this term like two years ago. We're finding ways to lose games. Now we're finding games to win. Seems like whenever Sean Monahan is gets the yeah. puck, it's like he finds a way to just do nothing. Do the we do just like screw it up. It's very odd, and it, it is. It's like that's what's blowing my mind lately. It's like he can't even make complete a pass or make a play. Like scoring goals, it's okay, but like the dude, the, his fundamentals, just like, whew. I don't know, man. Well, he had a terrible turnover. It was the second goal against Washington, wasn't it? Lucic well, he, turned it over yeah. the first one. He was on, I think, both of those goals. Like, he was on the ice for both those first two goals and out of position on one, like, terribly. But, yeah, it's a sad state. He, dude, I'm not even kidding. At what point is he out of the lineup? It's very soon. I mean, like I guess he, he played okay last falling, night. But he's falling out of the lineup. Like, he's not, like, again, Brett Ritchie was good in those two games he played. Like he was more, he was less bad than Sean Monahan, I would say, in those two games he played. And Sean Monahan was in those two games. Like, man, it's it's not going to be long before before he's not in the lineup. Like, I'm right there with you. I think it is sad. Like, I it it, it does like it, yes, and it infuriates me, but it also is saddening. And <laughs> when I do feel the most sadness for Sean Monahan. <laughs> It's when I see Johnny Goudreau yeah. celebrating with Elias Lindholm. Right? <laughs> he just comes down, he points at him. He's just like, yeah, just like, that used to be me. Used to be and me. Well, there's a there was a shot when Goudreau got the hat trick goal. I think Lindholm comes up to him. They're just like yeah, yeah. fucking hamming it up. And I'm just like, just imagine Monahan on the bench. That, so, that used, used to be me. At first, it was that used to be me scoring all the goals. Now it's like, it used to be me celebrating with Johnny. He's <laughs> just like this. Eh? It's just like there's got to be some weird meme of some guy. Yeah, was like in the way rain off. Or... Oh, have you seen that uh, shit? I can't remember who who created it. I don't know if it's a Conic Electric or oh, the Seinfeld meme. No, it's um, it's a picture of it's like they're just calling this bandwagon thing. So it's a picture of all the players, like they're the the horses carrying the or pulling the cart, the carriage, and there's Daryl Sutter's in there. And it's the whole team, and they're all smiling and shit. And then there's Sean Monahan, like, way back in the distance. And you can't – you have to zoom in to even see him. The first time I saw the picture, I didn't even know he was there. And then he's way back there, just not even – he's on his own, just sitting back there alone. Sad, dude. Do you think a little part of him dies every time? He must. Him and Lindholm connect and just, like, you know, it's them celebrating together. Because they, they used to have – like, they had one of the most – serious intense bromances in the league right and you know they're still buds right you know they're still buds but Lias Lindholm was taking over man hey like we <laughs> is this is this could this become an issue could this become well, a locker room issue that's it's just like, yeah i know like monahan's like, so jealous monahan just goes serial killer or just suicidal or some shit like he can't handle <laughs> like I am, i'm not even obviously Dude, i know kinda, I'm kind of kidding, but I'm I'm also kind of serious. Like, do we have to worry about his mental health at some point? Well, the thing about Monaghan is nothing seems to get the guy down. He always seems to be just like, oh, next game starts tonight. Starts tonight. Next game, he was in the on the jumbotron doing the this or that. 
Oh, fight a turkey. It's just like nothing's changed for old Sean. Yeah. So well, as long as team, know. as long as the team's winning, I guess he's. As long as the team's winning, it's it's all good. But man, it's a, it's weird. It's like I just like again, like I watched that goal he scored the other night. All right, sorry for the interruption, folks. Just got to get an award from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. So for NBA fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state or you live in Canada, you can still get a big payday with huge cash prizes from DraftKings daily fantasy basketball contests so download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now use the promo code THPN as in the Hockey Podcast Network and bet just one dollar on any NBA team and get 150 bucks in free bets if they win promo code is THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA 21 plus only minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state specific responsible gaming resources void where prohibited there's a minimum five dollar deposit if you have a gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER if you live in Tennessee call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789 if you're in Connecticut call 888-789-quadruple seven or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York Call eight seven seven eight Hope and Y. Not the other night, three years ago, where it's like he gets that puck, fucking flies yeah. through the neutral no. zone, just roofs it. No, with Sean, it's not the goal he scored the other night. It's the score goal he scored the other year. Yeah, three years ago. <laughs> Remember that goal he scored three years ago? Like it's just like I don't get like I get guys decline, but I don't get how you go from being. That's the thing, right? Because like, it's not even just the goal scoring decline. It's like, yeah, okay, I get it. He's not as good as shooting anymore, right? Like, but the fact the guy can't even Johnny Gaudreau gives him a pass in the slot and he duffs it and it goes back the other way and they like oh man score. It's just weird. Anyways, yeah. So the Colorado game was really close. Shots 37-36. Power play both one for two. Shot attempts at five on five, 56 for Calgary, 54 for Colorado. Scoring chances 18 for Calgary, 24 for Colorado. High danger chances six. For Calgary, eight for Colorado. Expected goals for 52% for Calgary, 48% for Colorado. Like close as you can get. Yeah, that's pretty evenly matched. Uh, who was in net for Colorado? Well, they oh, pulled yeah, Kemper, we, remember? Yeah, we chased him. That was, yeah. a, to me, a dumb move. But, I mean, I guess they almost came back. So, Well, I guess he didn't like the goals are all from far out. But, I mean, Gabranson scoring that slap. He's got that down a little bit, eh? Well, the second goal, he's sure he wants that back. But... Dude, that first goal from Lindholm? Yeah. I mean, it's a rocket pass and a rocket shot. Like, I get it's far out, but I mean, like, yeah, that's that's a hard shot to stop. Markstrom was unbelievable. Dude, Dude, he's been so fucking good. I can't believe how good he is. I think I that's the thing I keep forgetting about. It's like I put I I had him as the top performer last night just because he was so good. And it's like we do these shows and we're always like, man, that top line's so good. God, it's just like you kind of forget, like, fuck, Markstrom's been so good this year. Well, I mean, you, naturally, you want to focus on the goal scoring, and I think we were both played forward, so it's in our DNA. But, yeah, he's been unbelievable. Chris Tanev has been so good in the back end. Rasmus Anderson continues to get better. Noah Hannafin, I'm kind of – He had a really good game against two others. I'll trust Daryl. He's progressing. 
Because I, I see a lot of fucking stupid shit every name for him. He's, so, but. he's what people, I think, thought TJ Brody was. And maybe I just miss TJ Brody fucking up all the time. But it's like Hannafin's good, but dumb plays sometimes. Yeah. And then you have Shillington. Who, oh my God, dude. How many K? I love Oliver Shillington. You know I'm <laughs> so the leader right. of the Oliver Shillington fan club. Dude, what the shit? Can't that guy, how many times did he fan on that one timer? Holy fuck, man! Like at least four. I think he needs a stiffer flex. He needs something. He whiffed that, it four times in a row. I think he's like bent. He's just well, you know him. He has to overdo everything, so he needs a stick that he can't overdo. He's just leaning too hard on it. He's trying to get fucking everything possible on it and more. Just get everything possible on it. You don't need to do the and more. It's like just golf. Like, it's like, right? You don't need to hit it as hard as you possibly can. Just chill, bro. You're not PK Subban going 100 miles an hour in practice. He's starting to become PK a bit. He is. It's way too spazzy. Yeah, he's a bit of a spaz. Like just all chill. over the place, all like, the time. Is he? I guess maybe that's the you know the whole relationship opposite the track because <laughs> Tanev so Tanev's out there smoking a cigarette yeah. while he's playing. Chillington's out there he's smoking a. He's he's doing rails a cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me the ball, bam, miss. <gasps> 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 oh man, I don't ever want to see him sniffing um the smelling salts. The smelling salts, be, right? He should be sniffing like what's the opposite of smelling something salts? for drowsy. Like take some drowsy Advil or something. Could you give this guy some Nyquil before the game? Like just <laughs> anything to make him a bit sleepy. Maybe he needs some Ritalin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good one. Just try it. You might fucking score a hat trick. I mean, seriously, how many like how times many high danger chances is the guy and he what and he whips it? He comes down. It's like only him and the goalie, yeah. and like literally, he tries to shoot it harder than than humanly possible, and he misses the net because he's just overdoing it. Just or he chill. misses the puck completely, or breaks his stick, <laughs> yeah. or duffs it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. He almost falls over shooting the puck when he whips it. He's trying too hard. Yeah, he's he's got to clean him. that. He's got to clean I don't that blame up. him because this organization is just like hung him out to dry for the last five seasons, but he should know. Just chill. Take a take a note out of Dennis' book. Smoke cigarette. There you go. That's what he needs to do. Okay, so yeah, I, I love it when you share these game stats because it gives you the game within the game. Right? Because you got the eyeball test, and then there's the game stats that that's the underlyings to tell you the story within the story. But if you're looking at these games, I mean, when was the last time we were heavily outplayed? Was it Toronto? And they still found a way I to win? I think that's it. Like, like again, all season, everybody, everybody's going to point to the Vancouver game. But again, that was just a weird game. And I don't think they even played that bad. It was just unfortunate second period. No. And if you look at the underlyings, they were probably yeah, they a were, lot closer. They were fine. And I mean, you yeah. even beat Toronto in the game yeah. they played, outplayed you in. And you beat them down too. You beat them down <laughs> physically. That's why I love to hear those game stats because it, it gives you another perspective. But you got uh, Colorado opens it up early. Lindholm responds right away with a PP goal. Burkowski gives him the lead. Lindholm responds again to tie it up. This is what I mean. This is they 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 don't want to lose control of the game, and they like keeping control of the game. Well, and I liked what Daryl said about top guys, too. He was saying this in regards to, I think, Gaudreau, but I mean, Lindholm, obviously. He's like, they score big goals. Big time. Like, yeah, this, they time, have been. this timing of these goals matter. Exactly. 
Then you, like you mentioned, DeBranson just fucking hammers off. The- I thought that was a great goal. Like, dude, when- that was a hell of a goal. When you have a, you tell me that wasn't near 100 miles an hour. Had to have been 96 at least. Even 90, dude. Maybe go to the batting cage. This is why I don't. I'll never fucking wrap my head around this. You go to the batting cage. You're like, okay, let me try the 50 Let me try the. I don't know if it's kilometers or miles. Let me try the the 50 mile an hour setting. It's coming. It's like, okay, I can handle that. You go up to 70. It's just like, holy fuck, I can barely even see this thing. <laughs> like they're pitching a hundred mile an hour pitches in the in the MLB. They're taking 90, 100 mile shots. Like that was a full like he got all of that thing and it goes off the post. Yeah, that is like so that. well placed and so hard of a shot coming in so fast. Like you telling me that the goaltender saw it come off the stick, he's probably trying to track it from you know like two feet from off the stick. Like, I, I don't know. I thought that was a great goal. I don't necessarily blame that on the goaltender. Yeah. People give goalies so much shit, right? It's like, Ooh, I could have stopped that. It's like, you could have eh? but you couldn't have seen it. Uh. <laughs> Let alone stopped it. But anyway, it's Branson. And then we're in control. And you're just like, fuck how like this team, this is when you're just, that mantra. You find yourself saying everything. Worse, I can't believe how good this team is. And then fucking Monaghan blows it. McKinnon comes back, scored. I thought Colorado had controlled the game for a while there. Yeah. I was kind of shitting my pants. But the Flames weathered the stored storm, um, held out to OT, and then. Whoa, baby. Ah, dude. Is that. Okay. Is that. It has to be one of the best goals of the Easily. year. League wide. If you just look at the individual, I mean, you already mentioned it. That play by Lindholm, that's Rantanen. Not only is he highly skilled, he's fucking huge. And he outmuscles him, strips the puck wave, just pulls a Datsuk. I'll take that, please. And then the pass, it's off the boards onto the tape. <laughs> There's only one lane to give Johnny a breakaway there. It's off the boards. Well, and you saw, I saw it developing. I was like, fuck, he missed his chance. Nope. Didn't miss his chance. Well, and Put then that Johnny- right on his tape. Johnny could take a pass with a ringette stick, man. Oh, like, dude. like any, if it's in his, the vicinity, he can corral it instantly and get p- good positioning. Like this guy is su- like supremely skilled. That's unread. I don't, I, I don't even think, I don't even think fans across the league realize how much skill he has. Cause it's, he's not super flashy. He's just so fucking smooth. Yeah, like I saw this stat thrown on the other end. It was like least hits taken over the past three years. And like Gaudreau was up there. It's like, he's so hard to deal with. He's such yes. a different type of player because he's just so, he can control the puck on a string. And I mean, something I've actually, we'll talk about in the Edmonton game too, where he like goes for on that breakaway. Is he's kind of, he's kind of had that green light this year again, where it's like, he's going for it. He's behind the red line and he's going for it. It's like I thought last year and maybe even the year before, he kind of got into this habit of like, okay, hey, maybe he might peel off, maybe he might be playing a bit tentative, but he is green light go right now. He's such a threat to score, man. And he's like, fixed his he, breakaway problem, eh? Remember, <laughs> he had like he must have had fifty breakaways that season, had two breakaway goals. He went five hole every single every time. time. So like, what a game and what a finish. Unbelievable. And then you, you're you sitting there and you're like, fuck, we just beat the top team in the league. Um, and it's something that we're becoming accustomed to. 
and we were toe to toe with them. It's not even toe to toe with scoring goals anymore. It's it's toe to toe with the game gameplay. The game, yeah. With Daryl Sutter's talking about. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, you're not just like outscoring the best team in the league. You're playing just as well as the best team in the league. You had the puck just as much as they did. Yeah. And again, I think I mentioned this. Your best players. Well, McKinnon was pretty good, but your best players outplayed their best players, which has been an issue in the playoffs, right? Like as much as I, we defend Gaudreau and stuff, like he, obviously he hasn't been as good in the playoffs nearly. Um, and I mean, same goes with Lindholm and um, same goes with Kachuk, although he was pretty good in that Dallas series before he got hurt. But that's what I'm really impressed with is like, okay, the Flames big boys beat the Lightning's big boys and the Avalanche's big boys, or at the very least, yep. went toe to toe with them. Yep, it was. It's not a one off. Like yeah. this is sustainable. You could play a series against Colorado and have and see some success. I'm not yep. saying you're going to win it, but we win more about, than one game. Luckily, you don't have to worry about that till potentially the third round. But um, Kadri looked good. He's having a really, really good season. But dude, go Branson, bitch, fucking owned him. Fuck is he a little whiny yeah, bitch? I'm eh? glad he's not in Calgary. He's so whiny. I think he whines just as much as McDavid and Drysdale, dude. Like that was yeah, alarming. He's, he's he's always been whiny. Remember when Geo creamed him and he like had a he got suspended because he was like making like <laughs> like neck slicing uh whatever you do. Like you know when you're like, I'm gonna kill you. Yeah, yeah. And he got suspended for it. Like he's always been super dumb the like universal that. sign for murder. Yeah. That one. <laughs> that- that's the one all right so let's go to edmonton um i'm in town for this one you were there too we we caught up a little bit um fuck all like seriously all i wanted all i fucking wanted was to fucking beat these idiots right it's been too long too long and we beat them i didn't even care what happened the next night against Washington. I honestly didn't. I was like, that felt so good. So satisfying. You had all the Edmonton Oilers fans there. Chanting, let's go Oilers. Responding. The Flames fans, Flames fans respond with let's or Oilers suck. Here's the thing. I, we got to get this out of the way. Like, Oilers fans have no shame is the problem. Like, we have shame, right? Like, Four cu- five cups. Right? Like, five we, cups. even during the game, like, I'm, I'm usually super nervous, especially when I'm at games. Like I don't do a lot of chanting before the flames have scored or they're up by a few, you know, but these fucking losers will chant like, let's go Oilers when it's like zero, zero. If they're losing, it doesn't matter what the, what the state of the game is. They're still like Oilers are better. Mm -mm -mm." It's like, they should just change their team chant to five Stanley cups. eh? Exactly. That's all they need to do. Or like Gretzky or some shit. And it's like, like they have you like you're right. They have no shame. They'll pro- they're losing. They lose the game, and they're probably like five down the cops. Mm. Like there were so many dumb Oilers fans around me, like hooting and hollering the whole game. Was it it's five like, or was it four? Five what? How many down the cups did they win? Five. They won five. four with Gretzky and one without Gretzky. Oh, five. <laughs> mm, mm. Oh, it's just like these. Oh, that's the worst part about Oilers fans. It's like, at least with Flames fans, it's like, I have shame. When my team is getting beat or bad, I'm not going to be like, mm, Flames are better. Mm, screw you, man. I'm like, God, the Flames suck tonight. Yeah. Like, that's the problem with Oilers fans is no matter what happens, 
Oh, oil is better. Boy, if, well, it's not. It's not all of them. There was a couple uh, Santa hey, hotels I was in. Hey, good. There's a couple of Santa hotel, and I the thing I was saying, I was rubbing in a bit. Eh? I was like, "Oh, did you guys go to the game last night?" Because they're wearing all your shit, right? Yeah. And I'm wearing my Calgary Flames hat. And they're like, "Yeah, we're lost." Like, oh. so I was like, "So sorry about your loss." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of the guys I said that he was like, oh, "I don't care. I'm used to it now." It's like he's bitter. Eh? He's just like having a rough season. It's kind of funny. So this is the first game you see the new lines and fuck the 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 third line payoff right away. I know again to fully gets the power play goal. Did do you think Matthew Kachuk meant? I know Matthew Kachuk is bringing it, bringing the puck to the front of the net on purpose, but I don't necessarily know if he meant to slide that over to Foley on purpose. I'm going to say no, but they were kind of like talking. So, and that's the other thing, Toffoli probably knows <laughs> Kachuk's going to do that and it's not going to work, so he knows where to go. Um, it didn't look purposeful, though. No, it just looked like a sweet berry, though. I love yeah. how, like, did he did he hit the top of the mesh? Like, he goes, yeah, he goes like, bar down. He, he's, like, yeah. six inches from the goal line going bar down. Just, like, <laughs> yes, top shelf. It was so good. Fucking awesome. And that was huge. That first goal was huge because yeah, it kind of cut the tension. The Flames were playing too hesitant, I thought. And yeah. that a big that's a big win for the Flames. Like you said, we just want to beat these losers. Because the Flames have kind of got a, it's a bit of a mental thing with them and the Oilers right now, especially like if McDavid goes off, like it seems to always happen on like Big Night Hockey Day in Canada. McDavid has 400 goals, blah, 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 killed the Flames. So they needed that first one really bad. Yeah. And maybe that's, that's uh, part of, you know, the benefit of bringing someone else in new, right? To fully, like he doesn't have that stigma. He's not yeah. carrying that around with him. Yeah. Um, and did, did the Oilers, did they have, I feel like they had a couple of power plays before we got ours, didn't they? Or was it the other way around? I Dude, can't remember. Officiating was rank. When isn't it? I mean, very rarely do you get you go. Oh, that was good officiating that night. But like, and okay, was that Dan O'Rourke? I think it was him. What is he doing? So he's in the corner. I mean, we'll get to the Oilers goal, but that motherfucker like got in the way like eight times. Dude, what is he dude. doing in the same corner before they scored their goal? From a fucking a ref getting in the way, I had counted four times. Right. I'm like, why is I'm like, that's the f-. I remember saying to whoever I was sitting next to, that's the fourth time that the fucking refs have gotten in the way. And then they fucking ugh, that was it was that. unbelievable. Like, does that guy not know how to ref or he was a linesman or what he was? But geez, that was terrible. Yeah, but some chintzy calls. Meh, the officiating was bad, but I was scared shitless watching that other's power play and the flames gave them nothing. Yeah. Like you said, it was kind of low event to fully scores from that. That was unbelievable. I mean, Monge dishes it up to receive. He makes yeah. a quick little backhand dish. Cause he knows the is all alone. He comes down and just fucking snipes. That was my one of uh, maybe the good draw overtime goal, but that snipe show was like the, my, probably my favorite goal of the year, just because it was against the Oilers. Whew. That's interesting you said it because I have this on my notes here. The Johnny icing it with an with that absolute beauty oh, of a yeah. deke. That was my favorite goal of the year. Because at that point, you're like, we we won this game. It's over. Like you knew it. The whole building knew it. The others knew it. The others fans knew it. They knew that they were not coming back after that. Like we won. 
And it was Johnny Gaudreau on a breakaway, just fucking deking the pants out of Koskinen, yeah. going face first into the boards again. Um, that was my favorite goal of the year. Yeah, and that was a green light go goal because, like, he didn't have – he could have held up. He had a two-on-one, but he just put on the Jets and took off. Like, he went full force. Game stats? So, I want to point out, again, I just did check it. The Flames had three high-danger chances on the penalty kill. The Oilers had – Zero on the power play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they outchance them three to zero high danger on the penalty kill. And I mean, that's a Foley one. He almost had that where he had that partial break and went around. Oh, um, Backlund had the other one, but fuck Backlund. You've been to a few games this season. Was it the best one to go? There you at? You're at? Yeah, I think so. Best atmosphere. I mean, and you, anytime you beat Edmonton, anytime you beat honestly, Edmonton. honestly, it was like, I don't, even, I don't care what happens tomorrow. Like that was the, that was the first time they played Edmonton in the saddle dome with fans or full capacity with fans. Yeah. Since the uh, Goldie fight game. So it was a, which they got steamrolled in like eight to three. So that was a much, that was a much needed beating in multiple senses. So flames out shoot the others 29 to 28 power play goes one for four penalty kill goes four for four. Um, the five on five stats were a little weird because this was such a special teams laden game. So flames, 30 shot attempts. The Oilers had 37 scoring chances, 13 for the flames, 17 for the Oilers high danger chances at five on five. The flames only had one Edmonton had five. Um, but the flames, I think total, like they had three on the penalty kill. And then I think they had seven overall. So one, five on five, three on the penalty kill, um, three on the power play. So. Kind of a weird game, but special teams were great. And what was the um, – was it Corsi? Oh, expected goals for expected the goals. Oilers, 60% at 5-on-5, five five, Flames 42%. So Okay, so they had a better 5-on-5 five five game. They're pressing more. Um, but it didn't feel like it – it, like it didn't feel like that. It felt like you had control the whole game. Yeah, and Markstrom made some really good saves. I think there was a few tip shots that have really high expected goal values. Like, he made one incredible tip save. Um I think it was in the second. Might have been in the first. No, it was in the first. Um, like, that was weird about the Oilers. I don't know who's even on the team. It's like Benson. I'm like, who the fuck is Benson? <laughs> Who scored? It was Kane, right? No, it was uh, Nick. Was it Nick Shore? Who is that? Who are these people? And I swear, okay, like I'm old now and didn't have my glasses at the game, so I couldn't see names. Um, and I, I literally didn't know it was Kane who was playing and like screwing out the Kachuk until after the game. Oh, really? So invisible. And I didn't know, I, I didn't even hear him announce like for the penalties. Like that's how obscure the Oilers roster is to me. Yeah, it is weird. Eh? I know Derek Ryan. And, I don't uh, even know Kyler the numbers. Yamamoto. There's like, yeah, like I know Yamamoto. I know Connor, obviously, but then like, there's like all these weird numbers and guys who suck. And it's like, if you told me they were an NHL player, I'd be like, who is that? Dude, that's it. like out honestly outside of McDavid and Drysdale. That's a rough team, dude. Like, who is Ryan McLeod? It's really Devin Shore. It's not even Nick Shore. I don't even know play. who Devin Shore is. I know there's a Nick Shore. Who are these? Who is people? Colton Skivior? I mean, who are these? Who people? is Brad Malone? Who is Brad Malone? Who are these beggars? And like Legacy and Lucic killed that guy. Legacy, if you were like, hey, what team is Legacy on? Right, 
Like, <laughs> I don't know, Minnesota? No clue. Had no idea who 90% of the players were. Love it. Anyways. Okay, Washington. I was there for this one, too. This one had a lot of storylines because Ovechkin's trying to be the best goal scorer of all time. I didn't know this, but somebody before the game was like, yeah, I mean, Ovechkin could, could tie. Um, tie I Yager told you to, that. Or no, he could break. Yager's right. That was you? I think I, I think he could tie it, which he did. He, you know, he could have broke it with a hat trick. Yeah, yes. He, he almost had it yeah. twice. He almost did. Could you imagine if he scored on his stomach from the half boards there? That almost went in. Dude, like, I, I, I can't – it's unimagine. It's unfathomable that Ovi's even doing this. Like, even coming close. Ridiculous. Like, he has 766 goals in f- almost 500 less games than Yarmar Yeager. Whoa. Like I think he, he's going to be Gretzky. I think he is, too, and I can't wait. Well, because that's what he's playing for now. I mean, sure, yeah, he'll play for another Stanley Cup, but that's like his, his one of his biggest modus operandi is to become the number – like, no one would ever catch him. I guess we can't say that. Matthews might. He's 30 – yeah, no shit. Um, he's 35 away from Gordie Howe. Like, he'll get 35 in the oh. next year. Like, he'll get it next year. Yeah. And then he's got a bit of a way to go to catch Gretzky. Like, that would be 85 goals. But Dude, has he slowed down one bit yet? No. He hasn't even slowed down. How many goals does he have this season? Does he's got to be in the top five? He's he already hit thirty, hasn't he? I think so. Like it's just it's mind blowing. We could see this in our lifetime. Like he's got thirty six goals this year. <laughs> he's like a week away from forty already. Like holy shit, that's incredible. And I mean, bear in mind, this is a guy who's been through. Um, well, I guess his rookie year was right after the lockout. Um but he's been through some shortened seasons, 20, the 2013 lockout. And then obviously last year and yep. the year before he's been through three shortened seasons. Incredible. I've always liked Ovechkin. Um, I thought it was kind of cool. Like we, regardless, we, I, we all watched history that night. I was there. It was kind of cool. Cause I mean, if he does pass Gretzky, you're going to be like, yeah, I was there when he tied Yager. I remember the game. Um, what kind of a weird game, eh? Yeah, it was. It was uh, I mean, like you go up two nothing, two two. You go up two nothing. Lindholm and Rizicka. That was a sweet little dish from Manjipani to Rizicka. That Lindholm goal, man. Oh, that's low key one of the best goals I've ever seen. Johnny comes down. It's two. It's two on one. Potential three on one. So the defenders have to respect. The potential drop pass as well. But the way that Johnny just waits and he does, he fires it underneath the defenseman's stick. Hey, did you see that? Dude, that was su- like such. How does he do that? And so he smart. fucking ripped it over to him. Like, so he waits, he knows where he needs to put it. He kind of does the no look hesitancy. He hesitates, then does the no look, fires it underneath the stick so fast that. No one could respond to it right onto the sweet spot, the tape where Lindholm needs it and the, how fast he got that off. Yeah. And the accuracy of the pinpoint top shelf, like that was one of the best goals that I've ever yeah, seen. That's a great goal. That's a classic Lindholm goal too. That's like the first goal he ever scored. Well, one of the first goals, just that the way he's able to crawl it being a right-hand shot and just whip it off a stick so fast. Damn. So you're up to nothing. It's, it's already halfway through the game. 
You're like, oh, fuck, here we go again. Like, we're going to beat Washington now on back-to-back nights? But Washington has a pushback. I think if, if uh, Markstrom is your starter, you probably win that game. You absolutely win that game. I'm not blaming the loss on Vladar, but there's too many over the shoulders. Um, he did make some good saves too, but I don't know. I don't think Markstrom lets all those goals in. Yeah, Markstrom makes one of those saves for sure. I don't think and, there's any doubt. And, I mean, that first goal is a fucking mess. And yeah. Lucic, oh, man. Lucic one, and Monahan. There's the one angle from Lucic that's like ice level behind the net. Yeah. And it's just like Lucic isn't even really looking. He's skating towards the goaltender and he just fans on a backhand pass up the gut, right to Connor Sheary, buries it. And then Lucic falls on his face. And when he falls, it's like right in front of the camera. It was just like, put that on the misplays of the month. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, not great. And I mean, the Flames had 11 high danger chances at five on five. The Capitals only had five. So you need a save from Vladar. And I was actually kind of surprised Daryl did go to Vladar. I mean, I know he already beat Washington this year, but I was just expecting him to go back to Markstrom based on how well he played against Edmonton and how it wasn't like a super heavy game for him. Yeah. So I was a little surprised. (sighs) Then Monaghan blows it. Uh, Gives it to one of the most dangerous scorers of all time. And, of course, it's 2-2. Oops. So you go into the third period, and then you take the lead again. Shillington rips it off the post and in. And then, again, and then you're like, oh, well, here we go again. Okay, we got the, you know, we got the lead again. Uh, yeah, right. But yep. then Washington scores back-to-back. The Mantha goal, man, I watched that again today. That was a fucking goal scorer's goal. That he's, was, he's Yeah, he's got a great shot. He got it off in traffic, placed it perfectly. I mean, I'm not going to necessarily – I think you're right, like you said, though. He's got to have one of those. Then you're like, oh, 4-2, empty net. This one's over, right? Hold on. No, it's not over. Flames uh, – this is, this is a cool call by Daryl A., because at that point, you're down three goals. I guess was it two goals. Two goals. You're down two goals. They just had an empty, late empty netter. It's five three, but you keep the goalie pulled and you do get one. So you still have forty seconds left. Not very much time. But they even got the chance. Chucky finds Monge. He's probably trying to get it off too quick. But fuck, he had his, his shot all alone yeah. in the front. Could you imagine he tied that up? He had it. He had it and he blew it. And then not only that, but 10 seconds later, Ovechkin comes down and almost fucking passes. Great right there. Yeah. Twice. That was, a, that was a fun game, like, regardless of the outcome. Yeah. I agree. Um, <laughs> what a what an extra attacker lineup, the way. Oh, dude, you throw Johnny? Chifoli, like, geez. Now, and Munch? Yeah, like you have what over or over? It's like six hundred goals. goals on the ice, like almost as many as Ovi scored in his whole career. Not even close, actually. But okay. And then thoughts on the uh, Tom Wilson knee on Gaudreau? Well, it's total bullshit. And if you want to tell me it's not on purpose, you can tell me that it was totally on purpose. We know who this guy is, man. That's like, totally give me a purpose. fucking break. There was the one angle they showed on ice level, and like the dude is just cruising, and you can totally see him do it on purpose. Totally on purpose. It's unbelievable. No harm, no foul, I guess. I guess, but God, I hate that. And like, what a little piece of shit because yeah. he did it. 
at a time and place on the ice that there was going to be no retaliation. It would be impossible. Right. It's just like, it wasn't going to happen. And then there's no point later in the game to retaliate either. And you're not seeing this fucking team ever again for God knows how long, unless you meet up in the Stanley Cup finals. Eh? <laughs> um, Imagine I didn't, I games. didn't, this is one thing. I don't know how long they've been doing this for. Um, because I don't, think you don't see it on the on the tv broadcast but they have daryl sutter's um kid chris it's chris right it's chris oh sutter. dude shit yeah i'm obsessed with this this is like the greatest thing ever so by the way yeah. can confirm it's not beasley but it's the other guy the in-game yeah. <laughs> definitely as annoying as we said it was that one day like i'm sitting every time he's screaming I'm like oh my god like shut up bro we're giving away like just let the girl do it whoever the girl is does fine in the red corner whatever they do but he has he doesn't need to be there anybody could do that job monkey could (sighs) give a minimum wager (sighs) give fucking harvey let harvey do it or some shit harvey's not as that like harvey should be as active as that guy you could do a scooby-doo voice Okay, but yeah, Chris, it's Chris, it's Chris Sutter. This is so fucking awesome. I love this guy. I love this kid, man. How old is he? 20? He's Seven? probably like maybe 30-ish because I remember he was born when Daryl was like hired in San Jose. So that's like 93-ish or maybe 95, 96. So maybe like 25-ish, 26 so If you don't know, we'll clarify it, but he's got Down syndrome. Uh, one of Daryl's sons. And yeah, because you even said this, right? I think last season. You're like, because you he was doing this in L.A. He did this for in L.A. all the time. He'd be on the screen dancing, getting the crowd riled up. Yeah, and you call for us. He's a fucking good dancer. Dude, he's awesome. Is he one of the best dancers you've ever seen? <laughs> I'm not even kidding, man. He's like, he's awesome. <laughs> one of my dreams is if when the Flames win the Cup is Chris Sutter having the Stanley Cup. Could you imagine, like, in a playoff game, you're going to throw him on there and the place is going to go nuts. Dude. I, I don't go. One. I don't go nuts, but I go nuts when Chris is on the jumbo. I love it. All right, give us the Tampa Tampa uh, game stats, and we'll whip through it and call it a day. Okay, I just want to say, like, how Kucherov scared the living shit out of me more than McDavid does. Oh man, he's fucking dangerous. Eh? He's, he's just like so it's good. true because McDavid, you can see, at least you can see it coming. Yeah, Kucherov's just lurking the weeds. It's just like, oh my god, he's like, he's like. I don't even know what he's like. He's kind of like dry silent McDavid combined. God, he's good. Anyways, uh, shot attempts at five on five. Tampa had 48. Calgary has 46. Scoring chances. Again, a really close game. 28 for Tampa. 27 for Calgary. High danger chances. 11 Tampa. 10 Calgary. Um, Expected goals. Four percentage. Tampa, 53%. Calgary, 47%. Like close as shit. Five on five. Yeah, toe to toe, but you beat them on the scoreboard. Yeah, and again, that little spurt in the middle was huge. Um, yeah, I think that that's the tur- that's a true turning point. But the first turning turning point is the killing off the double minor, and then yeah. was it six straight minutes of penalty minutes? Mm-hmm. And not only that, but like you said, like we had more scoring chances. We had the three on that on that double minor. We almost scored, dude. The penalty kill is just off its rocker right now. It's so good. It's ridiculous. I like, I enjoy you- watching the penalty kill. I'm like penalty kill. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we got a penalty yeah. kill. All right, here we go. Yeah. I see some masterful work here. 
What did you think of um, people were giving it to Dubé for missing that that net on the two on nothing? But I have a bigger issue with Monahan dishing it over there and not shooting it. No, it was not didn't Dubé pass it to Lucic? Is that what I'm thinking of, or am I thinking of something? No, else? there's a there was a two on zero Monahan and Dubé. I think it was in the first period. I must have missed that. And and Monahan obviously didn't shoot it because he passed it over to Dubé. He's so scared. But they're like like dude like they're two feet away. And here's the thing: if you're ever doing two on zero, I think we talked about this. You got to get the passes going early. When you try and do one at the very last second like that, it's tough. The goal There's nothing tender... worse than a two on zero with two guys who have zero confidence. <laughs> oh shit! Right? You shoot you it. Shoot no, it. you shoot it. You shoot it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is hilarious, dude. Johnny Gaudreau scores the first goal off uh, Vleski's ass, <laughs> and you're just like, "Hey, dude, this guy has ridiculous skill." To be able to to a have the foresight to do that and then execute it perfectly, because I mean, and that's a low key amazing play by Tafoli too, because he he definitely kicks it down to Johnny. There's no play for Tafoli other than to get it to Johnny, kicks it down to him. There's no play for Johnny other than to go off the ass and he executes it. So then you're like, oh yeah, he finally got one, but then he fucking does it again. He did it again. <laughs> it's just like. Are we gonna see a three? Are we gonna see a butt trick? Okay. <laughs> I know uh, I t- I tweeted that, and then Francis tried to steal my thunder and oh, big surprise! Call, eh? call it a back trick. Oh yeah, I think butt here. tricks butt, butt tricks a little better than a back yeah. trick, isn't it? But... Oh man, Johnny Gaudreau, dude, he's had seven. I think they said he's had seven hat tricks in his in his career. Dude, that's a lot of hat tricks. Or maybe I'm maybe it's it might have been dude. six. It's up there. It was kind of, was kind of surprising, but I, we haven't seen him for a while. Eh? When's the last they said, one? They said it was 18-19 was the last season. I don't remember I'm, it. I'm but. thinking of the nine-point game against – nine points game, seven-point game against the Devils. He had seven points? Remember the Flames beat the Devils like – or maybe he had six points. They beat them like 9-4 or something ridiculous. With the Devils. Yeah. Oh, I got – hey, I got the Seinfeld references today. What's going on? I've, I've been a little off. Well, you have all the – Really obscure ones because yeah, I have the ones that nobody will fucking get. You have you're you've memorized every fucking episode. I'm watching a random Seinfeld and I'll send a funny line to you, like, oh yeah, that's the butcher boy one. Yeah, (laughs) devoted it's quite quite remarkable, actually. So Corey Perry doesn't score. You touched on this, but there's some um there's some physical stuff at at the end of the game. You want to you want to elaborate on that? I mean the, the hit, Rudy's like, well, there's nothing Sean could have done except for hit him from behind. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, no, probably not. That was a hit from behind. Uh, that's good. Um, interesting response because at the time, he's on the ice with Lucic, Gabranson, and Zadorov. Nothing really ensued, but then Stamkos goes after him, and then he, he chooses not to fight. I choose not to fight. There's a Seinfeld reference for you. Some people were upset that he didn't fight. What's he supposed to do? And they got a power play out of it. I'm kind of like, well, it's Sean Monahan. Yeah. Mean, he's had one fight in his fucking life. And it, was, it was awesome, but. What's his nuts? Nugent Hopkins. That was awesome. So, well, bring us know. home, man. Bring us home. Because I opened it up and I said, look, here's the teams we've beat. All the upper echelon teams. Uh, we've 
I mean, what's our record against top 10 teams this, this season? Oh, it's got to be top notch. Like, who is who have you lost to? You've beat Minnesota twice. You beat the Avs. You beat Tampa. You beat like you, we beat Flor- we lost to Florida once. I guess we've we're one and one against the against well, the we, Florida team. We lost those three, right? In in Carolina in a yeah, row. We got our ass kicked. We can't forget about those. Yeah, but, those are the, we keep saying I can't remember the last time I got their asses kicked. Those three games got their asses kicked. Yeah, but they had COVID, so yeah. And those are three really good teams. All right, let's do a quick look ahead here and we'll wrap it up. Oh, the amount of hockey being played is absolutely ridiculous. So we got uh, Detroit again Saturday night. That's one you got to be careful of. Um, they seem to be able to score a lot of goals. Yeah, and also team. give up a lot of goals. Holy crap. I have, I have Nedeljkovic in fantasy. He's given up nine goals like twice now. Holy shit. Then Colorado back-to-back. These are earlier games. Um, this is kind of weird. You go, I guess Colorado's not that long of a flight, but you're back-to-back. You're playing back-to-back nights. That's tough, and, dude. And you got to have a, you got to fly in between. That and sucks. at least it's a five o'clock start. But, hey, when does that game end? Eight. When are you at the airport? Jeez, that's a rough one. 10? When are you in Colorado? And, yeah, and that's like when an you earth- check When are you in bed? Right? Like 12.31. Maybe, if you're lucky. I'm just going to see if the Avalanche also are playing back-to-back. And while you're and doing they, that. I'll they aren't. You. Yeah. Oh, Come sure. on, league. Yeah, that's brutal. Like, come on. You couldn't schedule it the next day to at least break it up a bit? Or have at least the team that's playing at home fucking play back-to-back as well? It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're going to be as tired as you are. Dude, I'm white right now. <laughs> I just got a dog, so. You got a dog? Yeah. Well, we just got a cat. Oh. She's, already, she's already pregnant. <laughs> it's like having a child. But I guess you have a child, so. Yes. I shouldn't complain. Well, that's the two upcoming games. We'll probably, we may or may not be back on online before that. But then you got New Jersey, Buffalo. Oh, let's have a quick uh Jack Eichel talk, dude. That was baller, hey. I don't know what side of the fence are you on because people were, were I've I saw both, but so Jack Eichel goes back. Half the fans are booing him. He had he had some applause. Uh, he gets asked about it afterwards, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, obviously he's bitter because they just lost." But yeah, I mean that's a lot of the that building's been seven years. I just 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 had to take me. Me leaving or something like that, eh? That's what he said. Yeah. Seven years and me leaving. Seven years, yeah. And then, um, uh, oh, man, he was just giving it to him. I liked it. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. Because he like, wasn't being pouty about it. Yeah. He was just fucking mad. But, like, do you, if you're a fan, do you fault Jack Eichel in this situation? It wasn't his fault. It's a fucking team. Fucking mismanaged this shit, wasn't it? You mismanage it so bad. And then he wants to get a surgery and you say no. So you trade him. Like, give me a break. How is that in any way Jack Eichel's well, fault? And you don't, no, you fucking waited forever. Yeah, exactly. Trade. You jerked him around for like 10 months. Like, he's missed how much of the season? He's obviously not. And it's going to take him a while to get back into top form because of it i don't if it was my if, he, if i don't know he's a franchise player if, if mcdavid left edmonton or if johnny gaudreau left calgary it may be a, be a different situation but 
Well, let's see. I, the thing that's it's so funny, McDavid gets this double standard. It's like if and when he leaves Edmonton, I would be like, yeah, the Oilers totally screwed that up. It's like he never seems to shoulder any of the blame. Eh? It's like we've made this point before. It's like people have railed on Gaudreau and Monaghan for years and not Monaghan anymore because he's terrible. But like they've been just crushed. Every year the Flames stink in the playoffs or miss the playoffs. Gaudreau and Monaghan suck. But then it's like Connor and Leon. It's like, oh, the Oilers, they don't help Connor and Leon. So stupid. Meanwhile, Connor and Leon are way better. Yeah, like what's with the double standard here? Yeah, so that was that was great. Yeah, I like it. And I'm I'm in Eichel's camp on this one. Me too. So we'll see uh Buffalo next week and then Vancouver, and then well, we'll see what happens here. Okay, just yeah. What just just to wrap things up, I just do you how many hat tricks do you think Jerome McGinley had in his career in Calgary? All right, we'll wrap it up with this. So how many seasons did he play? What sixteen? And he had five. He had over five hundred goals. He yeah. was a fucking. Yeah, over six. How many goals did he finish with? I think over six hundred. Didn't he? No. Yes, he did. Fuck. This right. is embarrassing gonna, that I don't know. I'm gonna take a shot in the dark here. Twenty. A twelve. Twelve. But still, that's like really high, isn't it? That's a lot of hat tricks. Well, yeah. I don't think hat. Like, I'm shocked that how many does Johnny have? Officially? Johnny has six, so he has half of the amount Jerome had. That that is bizarre to me. I'm embarrassed. I didn't know Jerome's like I know Jerome's goal total is six twenty five, but it just caught me off guard. So, um, but but I, but I guess Jerome was always playing on kind of low offensively octane teams, right? Yeah, he was probably only just scoring one goal every fucking game instead of. It is it is pretty crazy though what Gaudreau is like getting into because the Flames really only have their record books. It's like Aginla and then a bunch of guys from the eighties, and then Gaudreau now. It's like. That's what all the stat books like. He's slowly working his way up as being one of the best flames of all time. Oh Can't no, he, yeah. he's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's not a top player. Right? He's not a top player. Is he one now? I don't. Yeah. Know. Kent, Kent Nielsen, just some random trivia. He leads the Flames franchise in hat tricks with fourteen. Theo oh, yeah. second with thirteen, then Jerome with twelve. Joe Newendike and Gary Roberts with ten. Lanny McDonald had nine. Hank and Lube and Johnny Gaudreau have six. It's not hanging, it's hawking. Sorry. Like hawking a looby. Like hawking a loogie. Yeah, but uh, okay, well let's let's close it out. Yeah. If you if you could explain to Eric Francis what type of player Johnny Gaudreau is, um how how would that how would that go? Well, he's definitely not a five on five player, even though he's the best five on five player in the league this year. And has the most primary points in the league. He's just a power play specialist, even though I'm pretty sure he's like top three in five and five scoring since entering the league. Um, and he's not this team's best forward, not even close, as a matter of fact. Even not even close. Even though he most likely will be in the Hart Trophy talks this season. But not even close. <laughs>